everybody. We're here with a very special episode. I hope by the end of this one, we've all learned something. We've all picked up a message and we're all better people. I know I'm a better person because I have read the incredible new book, In the Presence of Greatness, My 60-Year Journey as an Actress, which was written by Patty Duke and our guest tonight, Bill Jankowski. Did I say your last name right? I'm sorry, Bill. I didn't check first. Yeah, absolutely perfect. I get Jankowitz. I get all this different. You, know, <laughs> you, you, know, you name it, and I get it. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, you got it. It's Jankowski. <laughs> and we're going to talk about your book tonight. We're all huge Patty Duke fans here. Uh, we did a special tribute to her when she passed away. I think we picked two movies, though. Well, we picked a really good one, and then we picked one that was marginal. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, I remember. I heard it. Yeah, I heard your podcast. Yeah, yeah we, we struggled a little with it, but um, but and we've also discussed um, and a special she did, which became an after-school special called "Please Don't Hit Me, Mom," which is near and dear to our hearts. Thanks to Nate, who's retitled it "Please Don't Hit Me in the Face, Mom." And <laughs> she come I like that title better. <laughs> I think Patty would have too. <laughs> um, so just real quick, everybody's here tonight. So say hi, Dan. Hey, everybody. I'm hoping this is the episode when I find out whether or not it was Patty Duke inside the giant spider in Curse of the Black oh, Widow. I've always wondered. That's a good I question. Might. <laughs> suspense. Suspense. And also we're here with Nate who had to miss the last episode, but he's doing a lot better now. How are you, Nate? Oh, I'm doing much better. I finally got surgery on my eye and oh. I can see once again. I can see. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like the miracle worker. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <That's> exactly. <laughs> See how it all ties in? This is a very special episode. So let's just jump right in. So, Bill, you, um, I, I don't know if you want to call her Patty or Anna, but just so everybody's aware, I don't know if that's how you'll refer to her, but her real name is Anna. And I think we'll all call her Patty, the, the co-host. Yeah. But I'm not sure. You knew her really well. Now, from what I understand, you met her because you wrote her a fan letter? Yeah, um, I wrote her, and I'll go back and I'll try to call her Patty, but I'm so used to calling her Anna, so whatever That's comes okay. out of my mouth comes out of my mouth, I guess. Um, yeah, I uh, when I was 20 years ago, I wrote her a fan letter, and uh, I got a, a response that it was the nicest. I included my email address in the fan letter and got a response that it was the nicest fan letter she'd ever received. Oh. And uh, here's our email. Let's meet in touch. And that was uh, the beginning. She was about to, later that year, this is 1998, uh, we first corresponded in January of 98. Later that year, she was going to be going up to Montreal to shoot the, uh, the TV movie for the reunion movie for the Patty Duke show with the original cast members. And, you know, she, uh, I'd get plot details, all that kind of stuff. And later that year, I eventually flew up to Montreal to, as a guest on the set, and that's the first time I met her in person. That's amazing. So tell me, what was it that first made you fall in love with Patty? Was it the Patty Duke show or was it her TV movies or other TV shows? Uh, I think the first thing was the Patty Duke show. I was eight when it started, uh, when the rerun started airing on Nick at Night. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I was flipping through the channels one night and saw a thing with uh, twin girls, uh, later found out to be identical cousins. And uh, something just intrigued me, and I always loved older shows. I love Lucy's, probably my favorite show of all time. And I uh, just started watching, and I really did, I mean, it sounds stupid, but, like, I really did think that she was two different people for a while there. I knew I knew Patty Duke played Patty, but I, I didn't know who this Kathy person was, you know, who was, mm -hmm. who, was who, who played her, who played Kathy. So, uh, yeah, so I got into that, and then... Uh, my mom had suggested The Miracle Worker mm, because I had recently done a, a book report on Helen Keller for school. And uh, she suggested watching The Miracle Worker. And again, I couldn't believe that she was so good at playing Patty and Kathy, the two different roles on the Patty Duke show. 
And then she was uh, so amazing as deaf and blind Helen Keller. I couldn't get over the talent of this actress. Uh, so I was, you know, a fan. I would watch things. But then uh, to this day, I don't I couldn't explain it. But when um, in 1990, when I was 10, uh, the TV movie adaptation of Comiana, her 1987 autobiography yeah. aired where she played herself. And I watched that. I was super excited about watching that. I was in fifth grade <laughs> and uh, I was super excited about watching that. And then after that aired, uh, something just clicked in me where I had to know everything, see everything. I scoured the TV guide every week for anything she was in. I recorded anytime she was on TV or, you know, went to my local video stores, got anything. That's when I saw Amityville 4 um, mm-hmm. for the first time, and uh, which I think was one of the ones you profiled. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was. And it just went on from there. And then, you know, another, uh, I mean, in high school, this is so weird because in my generation, it's not really her generation. I'm not a boomer. Uh, you know, we used to have in high school, we would have what we call patty parties where uh, it would be a different TV movie every week on a Friday night and everybody come to my house and I'd pop one in the VCR and we'd watch it with contemporaries of mine. It's very strange, but it was cool, you know? And uh, so, yeah. That's how I. That's how I got that, started. That's incredible. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's. I wish I could have gone to those parties. Now, am I correct that you actually had a Patty Duke fanzine at some point? That's not me. That's not uh, you. Okay. That. That is a friend of mine called Mike Jumanowski, okay. uh, who lives in Michigan, and uh, he's been doing it for. I, I'm not sure, Mike. I apologize if uh, if I'm incorrect uh, here. If uh, you're still doing it or not. Uh, but, uh, he did have it for years and he even had like local friends of his who were in singing groups do covers of various songs that she had recorded back uh-huh. in the sixties on her albums. Oh, and I mean, awesome. it was, it was a very cool, yeah, the Patty Duke fanzine, uh, it was very cool. And, uh, I finally got to meet him two years ago, uh, in person, which is great after almost 20 years of correspondence. So uh, that's cool. That's so interesting. Like the phenomena of Patty Duke, that it would go to that level, that there are different people here that are doing fanzines and now you're currently running her website is that right or you have an official website for her i i do um official patty.com yes there uh have been some technical issues mm-hmm. software issues uh where it hasn't been able to be updated in a very long time um but i do some facebook stuff and then we have a, a website which i'm trying to concentrate most on right now for the book pattybook.com um you know you can do updates and i do a couple blog entries that kind of thing on there yeah so just tell me a little bit about this. Now, she's talking about her journey as an actress, but tell me about your journey with your friendship. So you guys met at the Patty Duke reunion, and then you would come to visit her. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's sometimes, yeah. Uh, we met on the, like I said, in the set. Uh, we'd known each other online for almost a year at that point. It was December of 98. I flew up to Montreal, where, and the first time I met her, she was dressed as Patty Lane for the reunion movie, so that was pretty cool mm-hmm. on the set. And... Uh, then uh you know she she and her husband invited us to uh her uh, my friend carrie and i uh invited us to her hotel room and uh it was december so they she actually put we sat down at her um on the couch in her suite and in front of the coffee table on top of the coffee table in front of us she put two gift bags in front of us and um, she bought us christmas gifts i mean we never even met her before that's what a wonderful woman that she was yeah um very appreciative uh, beautiful notes, personalized notes she wrote inside, and uh, beautiful gifts. And uh, that was the. Then we had a, a a fantastic three hours going through different photos, talking about different movies. You know, d- doing this and that. You know, in the hotel room, and 
and she signed about she signed because we would we took autographs in from friends you know and all this stuff i mean we counted back at our hotel room afterwards she signed over 60 60 oh. things for us that evening wow. uh and was wanted, willing to sign more i remember there was a certain old magazine with her on the cover that i asked her to sign from the 60s and she signed the cover and then she said you want me to sign the article inside too i'm like no that's okay that's that's, that's you know you know <laughs> so i mean she was just so gracious of a woman so so tell us how the idea for the book came about because i know you sort of wrote about it you sort of approached her right yes uh it had been in my head for years um because through the various meetings you know i would see her in stage shows or if she gave speeches which she often did on mental health around the country mm. uh i guess you could say i was a patty Duke groupie and uh you know so i would you know kind of follow her around to different things and uh you know, uh, sometimes we'd have dinner or a meal together or some kind of private setting. And uh, she would tell me the stories or I'd be like, oh, tell me about so-and-so. And, uh, you know, of course, I was enthralled all the time. These stories are fascinating to me. And I, uh, so I finally approached her a few years ago. It was um, December 2013. I approached her and asked her, uh, I said, a lot of these people, uh, you've been telling me these stories all these years, and a lot of these people are gone, and some of them people are starting to forget. Uh, let's do something, because when you go, these stories go with you. And let's do something to help preserve them, and maybe, you know, not only with your memories, but help keep the, me the memories of some of these people who have passed on alive. And uh, she really liked that approach. Yeah, I really like the way you structured the book. So just for people who are listening, if you haven't picked it up yet, um, and it is available through Amazon, I think, and also Bear Media yeah. released it. And I know Bear Media has got a great reputation. Um for really great books, yeah. and um, it's this is just fantastic. The images alone, I think, are worth the price of admission. But <laughs> I carefully selected those. Yeah. They're really beautiful. <laughs> they're beautiful, and um, so you. it's interesting because it kind of it doesn't necessarily go back and forth, but like there's a lot about different actors of material just about her TV movies, and what you've done is you split them into sort of these mini chapters. So like she might talk about Fred Astaire for a couple pages and then she goes on to having babies three for a couple pages and, mm -hmm. and and then it goes back and forth sometimes between the movies and the actors and it's fantastic because what I notice is you, it doesn't repeat itself which is great because she'll be talking about a movie but if she's already talked about the actor it feels like she'll concentrate on something else about the movie and she's really forthright in um, her feelings about things now she's very gracious and she doesn't like talk badly about anybody but like when she's talking about Suzanne Plachette and um, mm -hmm. who she had kind of a tumultuous relationship with and a little yeah. bit about the Desi Arnaz scandal with uh, Sean Astin and um, she's very honest about things and, and I think that I don't really know did you prompt her when you were doing these were these interviews where you asked questions or did you just let her roll with these memories both actually uh, that's the first time anybody's asked me that question so you got an original one in there <laughs> uh, yeah a good very good one uh, what I did was I um, I guess you could say prompted her in the sense that uh, I gave her a list of famous people and it was even longer. We have like 80 some chapters in the book. Uh, like you said, some are movie titles, some are people, uh, the, the chapters. And uh, I gave her a list of a bunch of famous people that I knew she worked with or somehow knew through the years. And uh, she kind of went through it, you know, yay or nay. Um, you know, she didn't want to talk about that person or not. And this just shows the integrity of this woman. Uh, right. She didn't want to, there was a couple of people, and I'm not going to name them, but she didn't want me That's to, uh, who, um, 
she crossed off and she says, I don't have anything nice to say about this person. So I don't want to write a, I don't want to write about them just for the sake of saying something negative. If I have to say something negative about someone, I want there to be a reason behind it and maybe, you know, some good stuff in there too. So, uh, you know, so that was the approach. Uh, so anyway, so I gave her the, so I gave her the list. We went through the list after we made the selections. She and I talked, I flew to her home in Idaho to work on this, uh, with her. And, uh, we were sitting alone, um, in her dining room, uh, it wasn't her dining room, it was her kitchen, uh, and going through the list and just chatting. Uh, we weren't recording or anything, just chatting. And she, uh, started, you know, talking about this or that, um, stories I hadn't heard some of that. And, um, I said, okay, you know, actually save some of it for when we're recording starting tomorrow. So we did, so I recorded her with my iPad, uh, an app on there. Uh, so everything could be recorded, put that, put the iPad in front of us. We would move around the room, I mean, move around the house as to where we recorded, mostly on her living room couch. We sat next to each other and did that. And then on a coffee table in front of her couch, I would have my laptop and I would show if we were saying, let's say we were doing a chapter on Maureen Stapleton, who she worked with in the 92 TV movie, Last Wish, I would have still images of them together and she would be looking at them and that would kind of, uh, help jog her memory more. On things, or I would show a DVD clip or a YouTube clip of her. I remember uh, showing her on the chapter on the Kennedys. I remember showing her a 1967 interview where uh, she and um, host, she's co-host, and uh, Mike Douglas hmm. uh, um, interviewed Rose Kennedy, and uh, you know, showing her that, which I don't think she'd ever seen that this interview. So you know, so a lot of the, you know, because again, a lot of the people we're talking about in here, she hadn't seen or talked to or worked with in over 50 years. I mean, you know, I could, I can't remember what I did last week. Never mind, you know, years ago. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, so it, it really helped, uh, you know, jog her memory and stuff. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the approach. And I did, I, I did have a few specific questions, but um, I mostly just let her run with it. I said, you know, uh, somebody like, okay, Suzanne Plachette, go. You know, what do you, what are your feelings on that? And um, yeah. So that's pretty much that's pretty much how it went. And uh, she told me I was good at steering her when she go off on too many tangents. I was good at kind of steering her back to where <laughs> where uh, we needed to focus. Did you know that's how you wanted to structure it originally with these little sort of short chapters about different people in films, or did it just? Yes. Go, oh, it did. Okay, great. It always was in my mind to do that, and then after we actually did the interviews, but I was in the middle of writing them, you know, after Good and Home and all that. Uh, I picked up Frank Langella's book, which I which a friend of mine. I never read and a friend of mine told me who knew the structure he's like yeah Franklin Jello kind of had a certain structure in his book maybe you should pick it up so I got it and uh, I'm like uh, I guess we stole his structure but uh, it wasn't intentional <laughs> uh, and uh, you know so I read it so he did the short chapters too with various people that uh, he had known famous people and stuff and uh, I liked that originally I was going to have it in alphabetical order and oh. someone suggested uh, a few years ago to make it chronological that would be more interesting which I agreed with yeah. Uh, and the movie section part, originally my, my idea for it was the bulk of the book would be people, um, as chapters, the titles would come at the end. And I got that. I stole that idea from uh, one of Debbie Reynolds memoirs that was mm. published a few years ago, where at the end of her book, she went into brief chapters about every single movie she ever did and her thoughts and, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff, which I loved. And uh, so that's where that idea came from. But then it wound up all meshing together. It was too many titles to stick at the end. So it had to be incorporated into the, you know, the bulk of the book. Uh, so, and eventually, yeah, I said, you know, 
chronologically works great. We can go from the night it starts in the nineteen late nineteen fifties and it goes all the way until um, two thousand thirteen when she guest starred on the series Glee. Fantastic, yeah. So it's, it's a really neat uh, setup. So we, so you discovered Patty Duke, I think first maybe before you really discovered the tv movie genre is that correct like as a whole medium yeah uh yeah uh i suppose so i mean i'd watch tv movies you know every um sunday this the cbs sunday night movie or the abc sure. sunday night movie or the nbc one would be on you know my parents would be watching i would be watching my mom i remember uh this is pre patty duke fandom for me would uh show or around the same time it started i guess would show me um make sure I watch certain movies like Adam, you know, kidnapping sure. uh, things, or I know my first name is Steven. Sure. I remember, you know, and I got to stay up to 11 o'clock at night, you know, that was really cool. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I remember watching the first time I'd ever seen an older Patty Duke, uh, you know, an adult Patty Duke was, uh, when she made the TV movie Everybody's Baby, the, the Rescue of Jessica McClure, uh, oh, where she right. played a social worker in that, that, that would have been 89. And my mom was watching and she said, you know, Patty Duke that you watch on the Patty Duke show on Nick at Night, that's her today. Uh, I remember her saying that. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I love the TV movie genre. Oh, my God. And I miss the good old days of them. I miss the uh, CBS Sunday night movie tags from my childhood and all that stuff. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, <really> do. <laughs> I do, too. Now, so all the movies that you've covered in this book, um, and I just made a list of a few of the ones that I remember fairly well. And I and I wrote down like mm -hmm. almost 10 titles. I mean, she's made so many TV movies. Um, oh, God. So many. When, yeah. How long did that part, like, did had you seen most of them by the time you interviewed her, or did you have to go back and revisit them? And do you have a favorite? I've seen every single one of them. I, you know, she would call me her archivist, <laughs> and uh, I've seen every, there would be times, I would, in, uh, over the years, I started uh, assisting her at, like, conventions and stuff, fan conventions, oh. and, which is, uh, and uh, there would be a fan, somebody come up and be like, I really, God, I love that movie with you that I saw years ago where you played an overweight housewife who loses weight. And she's like, oh, yeah, that, you know, you know, that too. And then, you know, before and after from 1979. Or um, I love the one where Martin Sheen was your husband and your Marine son was killed. And you were in a vengeance to, you know, put his wife behind bars who was behind it. And she'd be, Bill, you know, what's the name of the movie I did with Martin Sheen? You know, you know, like that. And I'd say a matter of justice. And she's like, all right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love that like, movie, yeah. by the way. I, I, I wrote that movie down and I underlined it. That's a miniseries, right? And um yeah is it terry polo is the girl that's the wife of the guy that gets killed right and um uh was uh alexander powers yeah uh who was on la law at the time yeah it looked alike yeah yeah i, I was like yeah that's terrible but um that movie is so good i caught that on the lifetime channel yeah. and it was already sort of on and i was early enough on that but it ran for like three hours straight and i was riveted for like yeah. the whole yeah film oh so good so she made so many good so movies good. and also something you did that i loved was that you did her tv shows too and so i'm a huge fan of it takes two i mean uh Uber oh fan. me too so oh good. me too oh love i it. saw it i saw it when it originally aired and it was the first time i remember seeing helen hunt where i like looked up who helen hunt was or i, I made a note of her in my head because she was so right. cool and beautiful on that show, and I wanted to be her. I was like 11, I guess, when it originated, and she would have been like a 16-year-old. And I was like, when I'm 16, yeah. I want to be Helen Hunt. And so she... <laughs> what, what, did that happen? No, it didn't. Oh. I'm still waiting for my As Good As It Gets Oscar. It'll come. But um, but it's... Don't jump out a window. Just, I hope you never jumped out a window. Let's just say that. You know That's what right. reference I'm talking about. Yes, there. I yeah. do. <laughs> we are going to cover that movie, hopefully, at some point. Desperate Lives. So good. Um, but, like, 
there's so many interesting factoids in that. So one of the things that I've noted about Patty Duke in my own writing is that her and Richard Crenna had made a couple different things together, and I always really loved them together. Yeah. And so I was really yeah. happy to read how much she loved working with him. And uh, that chapter was really, like, close to my heart because I'm also a huge Richard Crenna fan. And so I've gone back to sort yeah. of, I'm starting to revisit It Takes Two. I haven't really seen it in a long time. And she has some really neat factoids in there. I posted something today on the uh, Made for TV Mayhem show Facebook page about the kitchen set, which was originally used on It Takes Two, but was mm -hmm. carried over to the Golden Girls, right. which is yes. amazing. Um, yes, and it was uh, both with Thomas Harris Productions. Yes. And uh, I only recently found out from an author named Jim Colucci, who a year or two ago published an absolutely wonderful book for Golden Girls, affectionados like myself, um, about the history of the show, a beautiful coffee table book. Um, and uh, he explained the history where uh, they, on the original pilot for the Golden Girls in 1985, now it takes two lesser from 82 to 83. So about two years after the cancellation of that is when Golden Girls um, premiered. And when they were filming the pilot for the Golden Girls, the original script did not have a kitchen scene in it. So they didn't bother designing a kitchen set yet for the pilot. Uh, because they didn't know it wouldn't even sell the series for sure, of course. So they're not going to design something that wasn't in the script. And uh, then scenes were added in the kitchen. So they're like, oh, no, we need to find a kitchen set. So let's go into storage and let's find uh, one. So they took the one from It Takes Two. And all they did was change the backdrop from uh, It Takes Two took place in the city of Chicago. They changed Chicago to Miami. And that was it um, for the for the kitchen, for the backdrop from the, uh, you know, uh, you, that you see outside the, the kitchen window. Yeah, I, I cited Billy Burt's character as a cross between Sophia and Coco the chef. I think you know what? I, I never. I, I thought of that with Sophia, but I never thought it would Coco. But I. Uh, that's because I, I like that. Yeah. It's just because I saw her in the kitchen, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Coco the chef. Um, so yeah. it's it's really great that you you've really like documented. Um, I would say it takes two is pretty forgotten now, and so I was really pleased. I don't think. Yeah. I think Hail to the Chief is better remembered because of the character she plays and it was a little more political, I guess, but, um, it takes yeah. two kind of yeah. fell by the wayside. And so did a lot of these, and I didn't mean to get off the original question, but do you have a favorite Patty Duke TV movie? Oi. Um, I favorites. Uh, I don't know if I have an exact favorite. Certainly her very first TV movie was one of them. My sweet Charlie, yes. uh, which is a classic, uh, and should be on DVD. It's a sin that it's not on DVD. I agree. Um, uh, and she won the first Emmy for a television movie actress for that, by the That's way. Right. And um, that one is a beautiful movie that was later released in theaters afterwards. Uh, I love um, Before and After, one I briefly mentioned before, where she plays a housewife who is overweight and she loses a lot of weight. And, um, you know, she notices that, you know, she thinks like a blind person thinks that, oh, the world would be just perfect if I only had my eyesight. And then you get your eyesight and realize the world is not perfect. Uh, life is not perfect. And it was kind of like that. And she did that in 1979. And we have a chapter on that in the book. And I just, there's something about that movie I just adored. I remember watching that in 1991. I first saw it on the TBS Your Morning movie. Um, and uh, that's where I originally recorded it from. Um, uh, another favorite uh, would be The Women's Room. Another chapter we did in 1980, uh, where she had a supporting part, but she earned an Emmy nomination, and uh, that got me into loving Lee Remick and studying her TV sure. movies. Oh, her great. TV movies. Uh, she was another underrated, absolutely phenomenal. And they shared, not the same year, Lee was older, but they shared a December 14th birthday, the two of them. Oh, um, and uh, A Matter of Justice that we mentioned with Martin Sheen, absolutely phenomenal miniseries, uh, two-part TV movie there. Last Wish, as I said, with Maureen Stapleton in 92. Uh, a Time to Triumph, where she met her um, husband, Michael, uh, in 86. 
that was another one where she played a woman uh, who's supporting a true story, a woman who's supporting her uh, family because her husband can't work because of health issues. And so she becomes, she enrolls in the army at 32 and um, you know, I have to go through all that. Uh, and and uh, that's another favorite of mine. Um, she, uh, there are so many, uh, one we don't mention in the book and I regret not a light, a Lifetime movie. People always say with these TV movies, oh, this Lifetime movie she did, but she only did two two movies for Lifetime. The rest right. were network TV movies that aired later, you know, Lifetime yes. bought the rights to and aired later in syndication. Uh, and she once told me, she says, Lifetime bought almost all of my TV movies, but she said they almost, they only bought the TV movies that I didn't own a percentage of. So when they air them, <laughs> uh, I don't get I don't get anything for them. <laughs> I don't get any residuals um, for them. Um, but you know, and I discovered a lot of them on you know on Lifetime. I know there are ones that I'm not mentioning. Uh, you know, Captains of the King. She won an Emmy for uh, that was a big miniseries, her first miniseries uh, in 1976, where she played uh, a fictitious character that was modeled after Rose Kennedy, and she she got she had a ball. She aged from age 16 to 80 something in that throughout the course of that uh and of course um a favorite of mine and i got this isn't in the book it is a little bit but as i mentioned my name in it i got to watch it with her which was surreal was curse of the black widow so good so she never got this she dissed it in her 1987 book call me anna about how horrible it was and then i think she saw it and um and uh we were in Chicago in 2010. We were doing a, I was assisting her uh, the next day at a Valley of the Doll screening where she was a special guest. And uh, we were, she and, she and her husband invited me and some friends up to their hotel room for dinner. And we decided, uh, and uh, my friend had burned, it's not on DVD, another sin. Uh, my friend had burned it onto a DVD from the old VHS and gave it to them because they didn't have a copy. And I happened to look at uh in the hotel room i happened to notice that uh, the room had a dvd player so i said hey let's watch it now and i didn't think they'd agree and they her and her husband said okay (laughs) so we wind up with just ordering room service and i sat on the floor indian style next to her while we're eating cheeseburgers watching curse the black widow (laughs) uh and that's incredible it was so cool it was so it was so cool oh i knew it I knew at the time I was texting friends. I'm like, that's what I'm doing right now. You know? <laughs> and um, so, so uh, it was so cool. And uh, to answer your question, uh, she's not in the puppet uh, thing uh, in the spider. Uh, that was a puppet. because She, she told me that the scene where if, if you guys recall, there is a scene in that where um, there's a fire and the house, you know, house burns down that, that out, not outhouse pieces, that carriage house burns down. And she said she was on the set watching it. And she said, it, you know, this is really cool. She said that it was a miniature, that house. It wasn't a real house. Oh, it was wow. miniature that they built. And she said it was the cutest little house ever. And she, she wanted to take it home. And she was so upset, <laughs> you know, that they had to burn it. She wanted to take it home with her. It was so cute. But she said, yeah, so she was there when, when it was burning. You know, she was watching it. So she wasn't inside like the spider was. Um, not to give any spoilers. But, um, yeah. And then she just, God, she adored. We have a, we have a chapter on Dan Curtis in the book where she talks yes. about making the movie. And one on June, June Allison, who was one of her co-stars. And I remember her sitting there. Um, watching it and just shaking her head and being like, my God, it seemed with her and Shane Allison. She said, my God, some of the people I've worked with. Uh, and again, yeah. that things like that through the years when she'd be like that, or also an idea in my head for a book. Sure. Well, also like the modesty yeah. of that because she's Patty Duke. 
<laughs> so you yeah. also yeah. could likely could easily yeah. be saying as well, oh my God, I've made a movie with Patty Duke. You know what I mean? Or Donna Mills. Yeah, she she was right. She was totally modest. Um, not um, uh, not uh, she was never down on herself or anything like that. Or she was self-deprecating sometimes, but you know, but in a funny, fun way. You know, not in a serious way. Uh, but yeah, she would, um, sometimes when I'd be with her, you know, I'd be like, oh, this is Patty. Even after these years, I was comfortable, you know, she was Anna to me, but, but again, her real name, but, uh, I would think to myself, my God, this is Patty Duke. Like this is, you know, a person who won an Oscar at 16 and this person, you know, those hands touched, you know, like there's, I have a picture of her holding hands with, let's say Betty Davis or something, you know, sure. like my God, the history there, the history there, you know, and I'm a, a movie and film uh, history aficionado and another reason why I wanted to do the book. And I made this book, I structured the book to, selfishly where something I would want to read as a fan. Sure. Um, sure, yeah. I liked the chapters the way they were. Uh, that's If we get the pictures later, I, I hand-picked I hand the pictures that were in there and I went overboard. There's over 70 in the book. Um, and um, But I don't regret including any of them because every single picture has something to do with something in the text of the book. You know, I just uh, from being a TV movie fan and, you know, just a show business person and gen uh, fan in general. Uh, that's how I structured the book. Um, you did it. You did it just right. Um, so I you. want us all to kind of just talk a little bit about some of our TV movies. They're probably mostly all represented sure. in the book. Um, you already mentioned a couple. Curse of the Black Widow was another one I wrote down because I love it so much. Yeah. But I, I wanted to mention that I actually, I've only done a couple of public presentations, but in every presentation I've done so far, which is like a PowerPoint lecture type thing, um, I've talked yeah. about She Wait. So I was really happy uh -huh. to see it mentioned in the book. Now, she didn't feel like it was a fully realized film, and I agree with her. Um, she talks mostly about working with David McCallum and the cast, and, and it's a really great yeah. cast. Um, but yes. just something I want to talk about that film, since I have kind of a platform for it now to do it more publicly, I guess, than just a 20-person lecture is, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, is what I think is so neat about the film is that just to briefly tell people if they haven't seen it it's a, it's a movie about this woman who gets killed um before the movie starts and her husband remarries and he remarries Patty Duke and they move back to the house where she had died and then the ghost uh, or the spirit of this dead person possesses Patty Duke and then it becomes sort of a story of like who murdered me and what I think is so interesting about it is that she's asked the ghost is asking herself who murdered me because she was there when it happened but so I have this whole theory about there's a lot of TV movies uh, and I guess theatricals do it as well but I because I concentrate on TV movies that's where I go TV movies have a lot of a lot of it takes place in the domestic so I concentrate on that but it's also about how houses have their, their own entity sometimes and so the house itself absorbs your memories but if there's different people having different recollections of what's happened then what the matter that's left after the person is gone maybe can't fully realize what's happened because the house has um, absorbed all these different stories so she, so it's really a fascinating film to me because it's really about how memories are fluid and how like you what you remember is always different than the way somebody else remembers it and i thought it was like a really poignant film and it's also really interesting because it's about a life unfulfilled like the whole reason why she's still in the house is because she died very young th and through wrongful means and and so she she has to stay and the mother dave mccallum's mother mourns her loss but it's almost like everybody else has moved on and so there's this there's this grief process yeah. that's really interesting in the film and i think it also speaks to the fact that we live in a death denying culture which is what i talk about a lot in my presentations and how tv movies 
bring that how when you repress grief it manifests itself in really ugly ways and so so I wish Patty Duke was here because I'd love to talk to her about this movie because <laughs> I do think it is unfulfilled in a lot of ways. I think the pacing isn't great, but I think that the idea behind it is so good. And something she said in that chapter was that I think she felt the general idea was that the cast realized it wasn't a great script, but they went in and did what they could with it. Like she was a very serious actress. She hired her to do something yeah. and she gave 110% every time. Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of what adds to the film. So the film is unintentionally layered, but because she, oh, she's so good in the possession scene too. Oh my God. Like when she's in the bed and all that stuff happens and then you see she's become the, the ghost um, in her body. It's amazing. But like um, she kind of layered the film herself, whether she realizes it or not. And so I think it's so amazing. And I love that like that chapter kind of goes into depth about the making of the film. So it's this really great documentation of a film that I think a lot of people have forgotten over the years. And one that I've kind of been championing recently just because it's it's a movie that i feel like i can get so much subtext out of um what are your thoughts on she waits um i have to visit it again uh i've seen it a few times um i remember when i was a kid uh it had an air on tv in quite some time i didn't have a copy of it uh but there's a blockbuster video i lived in suburbs of uh, well not new york city about an hour outside of new york city uh i um i grew up uh, there was about a half an hour away from where I lived. There was a blockbuster video that had a copy for rent of She Waits and the old clamshell VHS, which I miss oh. those two. Um, and uh, and I used to rent it. I had my dad. This is a true story. I had my dad actually get a blockbuster, even though the closest blockbuster us at that point was a half an hour away. I had him um, get a membership card just so I can go rent it, you know, whenever we were in that area shopping and watch it at home. And then I, you know, it would kill me to have to return it. Uh, you know, and eventually we were able to get it copied and, you know, whatever. And I bought my own copy eventually. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I was enthralled, uh, with it. Um, um, it's not one of my favorites to be honest with you. Um, because I think, I think you're right at the pacing was off, um, with it. She looks beautiful. And then I remember yes. this isn't in the book, but I remember her telling me first time I met her in Canada, one of the things that I, she didn't sign for me, but I showed her some stuff too, even if, you know, if I didn't ask her to sign it, I have a She Waits novelization with her on the cover. Oh, whoa, um, I need to get that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, I actually think it's on Amazon. You know, uh -huh. I mean, I'm not, you know, you know, to buy, you know, secondhand or whatever. Sure. Um, long out of print. Uh, but um, she's like, oh my God, they made a book out of this? You know, she <laughs> says, who the hell would buy that? You know, I remember she said. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, had, she, had told, she had told me that, um, uh, which she later said in the book as well that they kind of held their heads down in shame. They knew it was it was a movie for a paycheck, you know, for them. Sure. Uh, basically, they really didn't like the script. Um, she was speaking to the other actors as well as herself. Uh, they had a great director, Delbert Mann, who directed a lot of classic uh, feature films. Um, but uh, I think that's the director. I haven't looked in a while. But um, uh, yeah, there was just it was just it was just um, a little boring to me. Uh, but it is one that a lot of people have an affection for like yourself, and I really should revisit it because it has been probably a good 10 years since I've seen it. So, uh, you know, I might think better of it now um, that I see it again. And uh, there was a point I wanted to bring up, and I forgot, uh, that she mentioned about that film. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. She also said, she's like, oh, God, she's like, I was so fat in that movie. I'm like, no, you weren't. You look gorgeous in that movie. It wasn't, 
not long after she gave birth to her son, Sean Aston, and uh, she felt she hadn't lost the baby weight or whatever. But uh, she said she did love uh, going around in that nightgown with the wind yes. swooping through, you know, and everything and, and yeah, everything. I think that's mentioned in the book. It is. Yeah. It's, she, um, it's very gothic, yeah. um, which is another. It's very plus. gothic. And I love the yeah. music to it. I love the music to it. Uh, I don't remember who conducted it, conducted it, but I remember I was on a quest for years to find the score. It's actually, I think, on iTunes, the oh. score. Um, oh my gosh, I, I downloaded so much it tonight. Few, yes, <laughs> I downloaded it a few years ago, actually, and it's very catchy when you listen to it. It'll be in your head for three days, so beware. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, that one, it is one I'm, I think I'm going to revisit soon on your recommendation and several other people as well. Yeah, who awesome. haven't dismissed it like I kind of have. Yeah. Okay. I, I just have a couple more and then I'll throw it out to my co-host. But um, she did two movies kind of back to back. And I think this is where I really kind of came to know who Patty Duke was myself. Um, and that would be mm-hmm. The Babysitter, which she made with William Shatner. Uh-huh. And, and the original, mm-hmm. oh, is it Operation Primetime film, which was a syndicated TV movie called Mom, the Wolfman and Me? Yeah. Um, and uh-huh. I remember watching those when I was about 10 and I love them, especially Mom, the Wolfman and Me. Now that movie, I wanted to be Patty Duke because mm-hmm. she was a super independent, like photographer. Oh, she's so cool in that. She's so yeah. cool in it. She's so beautiful <laughs> yeah. in it. And, and David mm-hmm. Burney is so beautiful in it. And they're a beautiful couple. And I, like, it's a great romance. And, um, and The Babysitter, I think, I don't know if I saw it when it originally aired, but I saw it very soon after. And it always freaked me out especially at the end when she attacks mm-hmm. William Shatner the the uh, yeah. Stephanie Zimbalist character um yes and I think both those movies are really really wonderful I was wondering what you thought of them uh the babysitter was uh one of the very first it was the first pre-recorded um you know store-bought VHS of hers that I owned at the age oh. of 10 uh if we remember I think it's the company's still around though you don't see them very much anymore Suncoast Motion Picture Company oh, sure. which was in almost all the local malls you know where you get your videos uh, pre-internet, um, they had it in their catalog, and it was the cheapest movie of hers for $20, so that's when I went with because remember, I'm 10, and uh, so I ordered it and watched it with my mom. My mom loved it, and uh, we just thought it was this really cool movie, even though, the, again, with the music, it's, the music scared the hell out of me. It was so creepy, especially the beginning credit, credits and with the doll, that creepy doll. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it that Quinn Cummings has. Oh, my God. She needed, she was too old for that doll. That, thank you. That's what my friend said because I was ten and I was watching it with my mom and my fellow, uh, one of my BFFs, uh, my friend Aaron, who is my age, ten. And uh, Aaron said, "I still remember." Aaron wouldn't remember this, but I still remember Aaron saying to me, "She's like she's too old for that doll." <laughs> so when we were watching it, uh, but yeah, I just thought it was this cool, creepy movie. Um, and uh, I thought she looked beautiful in it. I love that she played crazy in it. You know, she's this crazy yes. alcoholic in it, which was fun. It was a fun, you know, uh, she got to emote a lot in that film. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that film. Uh, there is a chapter on that in the book, as you know. Um, uh, she uh, she loved going up to shot in Vancouver where she loved the film. Um, and uh, she adores, she adored um, William Shatner and uh john houseman and yes. uh you know she just she just really and stephanie zimbalist she worked with her uh, stephanie's father ephraim um right. she worked with him on a tv movie a family upside down a few years earlier and she worked with him on an episode of the religious anthology series insight a few years later um oh, she insight, adored him that's right yes insight was so cool those are like mini tv movies in a way yes. <laughs> to me I, re- I really like insight i'm, I'm obsessed with it I, yeah i saw that she got yes. like, a check and for a hundred dollars right 
Yes, yes. I'll go. This is a tangent, but I'll tell you about that, that quickly. I'll tell the uh, listeners about that. Uh, Father Bud was the man who was in charge of Insight, and the actors would do this, these things for like $100. Uh, they would do, you know, uh, they do, and they were expected to uh, give the money, donate that whole $100 back to the church, the Catholic Church. And uh, Anna was at a point where she, she needed the money, she felt. And uh, so Father Bud would, she said, would be sneaky, and he would, you know, say, here's the check, and then he would pull it back and say, you know, I know you want to donate to the church or something along those lines. So she said, one time um, I knew he was coming to deliver my check, and I was in my dressing room in my trailer, and uh, I went into the bathroom, pretended, you know, put the shower on, pretended I was in the shower, and uh, with with the bathroom door closed, of course, and he said, Anna, I have your check for you. And so he couldn't pull it away. She says, okay, thanks, Father Bud. Just leave it there. I'll get it when I'm done. You know, so, uh, <laughs> so she felt she outsmarted him uh, with that, with the check. Um, so, uh, yeah, but she did about four or five of them. She earned even a couple uh, Emmy nominations for some of them. Yeah, and I seen, um, I seen one where I think she plays an alcoholic. Is that right? Uh, it's like... Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, uh, she didn't, she, her husband, it was called a slate mm-hmm. drinking problem. Okay. Her husband uh, was the alcoholic and she's the wife wondering what to do. And Rue McClanahan was her Al-Anon spot, you know, person oh. who was <laughs> giving her advice. So cool. Uh, the same year they did have maybe three together. Um, and, and I love me, my golden girls, like I said, so whenever she worked with them, that was fun. Um, so the, yeah, the, the babysitter, uh, back to Mom, the Wolfman and me, uh, something I didn't know about the film that's in the book, um, was that she was only like 32 or something when she did, when she made this. And yet, um, she was like, super excited to be the romantic lead in a movie, but she said, those are kind of the parts that she never got. She got more of the every woman, you know, kind of roles. Um, for the most part, but she was a romantic lead. She said, I got a sexy guy like David Bernie, you know, uh, in, in the story is my love interest. And she said, she, I wanted to look my best. So she did those lift things with the, where, that a lot of the older actresses did back yeah. in the day where they, you know, put under your hair or some, sometimes a wig, uh, you know, like they would stretch the elastic bands and it would stretch your face back and kind of give you a facelift. And it was extremely painful, apparently. And she was only in her early 30s and she felt the need to do that. And she yeah. said, you know, later I'd see movies around the same time that I did uh, and I didn't look any different, but she said I started it. So I had to c- continue the film with these lifts um, that were extremely painful, uh, left awful headaches. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought that was fascinating. And that she, you know, that was filmed in Toronto. Um, and she said she loved, uh, the apartment that they gave her, uh, where she was kind of on her own, you know, but she was a mom since she was in her mom and a stepmom since she was, you know, in her early twenties. So I'm sure for a couple of weeks, it was nice just to be, you know, on your own and, you know, that kind of thing. I'm sure that was, right. you know, um, fun for her. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she, I know she adored Danielle Brisbois. Uh, who played her daughter in it, who was doing, um, I guess, All in the Family or Archie Bunker's um, place at the time. And, she, uh, yeah, she, yeah, that, that movie I never talked to her about until the book. So um, it was, you know, fun to hear some of the stuff in there. Um, and John Lithgow had a small part in there That's before right. most people knew who he was. Yes. Yeah, played uh, an ex of hers in there. Uh, uh, and she, yeah, a fun movie. Yeah. And a yeah. great character. Um, she played a woman who was based on the um, novel, Young Adult right. novel by Norma Klein. And she played a woman who, um, was an unmarried and pretty much unapologetic, especially at that time period, uh, single mom. And, uh, who was a photographer and raised her daughter and, uh, you know, on her own. And 
she, uh, you know, you, I don't think you saw that many characters, women, strong women characters like that at that point in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, yeah, and uh, ha- had the child out of wedlock and um, didn't really apologize for it. That's right. Yeah, no, it's such a great character. Yeah. I have such fond memories of the. I watched it all the time growing up, and then I managed to get uh, get yeah. a copy of it as an adult. I've seen it several times. So good, so uh-huh. good. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to ask really my co-hosts what some of their favorite movies are. I think I know what Nate's going to pick, and I just rewatched it. I think if it's the same movie. So Nate, do you want to talk about some Patty Duke movies you like? Sure, I've got I've got several actually. Okay. Um, the first one I ever saw her in was The Killer Among Friends with yes. Tiffany Amber oh, Thiessen. Okay. I just rewatched it. Yes. Oh, and I love it. I've watched that movie so many times as a kid. I loved okay. it. I was totally into, you know, the, the TV movies of the early 90s. That's probably yeah. when I, my prime time for TV movie watching was. But, yes, I am I was absolutely a, a huge fan of that movie, and she was so good in it. She's so good. So yeah. the thing that that stood yeah. out to me rewatching it is how raw she is. So when when... Tiffany Amber Thiessen's character gets killed, which is not a spoiler. It's like the whole point of the movie. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> the title, and they go, the title, yeah. Yeah, and they <laughs> go and they tell her, right, Loretta Swit and her cop partner come. And first of all, Loretta Swit and Patty Duke in the same movie to me is like an orgasm times 10. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> so amazing. So amazing. Two of my favorite yeah. actresses. So, and then, and then she goes to say, you know, you're, we found your daughter's body and they, they, the camera shot starts in the outside of the house and you just hear screaming and then it cuts inside and Patty Duke is having a freak out obviously. And it's so She's beating up the cop. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. It's so, <laughs> yeah. it's so hard to watch. Like, because it's so yeah. real, you know? And, and that's the first thing I thought of when I was watching. I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to just lose it here. It's so, just raw is the only word I can come up with. The performance is so amazing in that. Yeah. Uh, um, I just wanted to say that, yeah, my favorite scene that um, I probably re- rewound a few times was when uh, the big slap moment at the end. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was so yeah. great. She hit her so hard, she turned in a circle. <laughs> I was so excited a few years ago to find a photo of that on eBay, a, a oh. Warner Brothers photo on eBay, and I snatched it up. Um, and uh, I could email it to you guys if you're interested. Um, oh, yes. And uh, yeah, and um, I have a nice high risk scan of it, uh, you know, with that scene. And that's actually, a, there is a chapter on it in the book, and that scene is addressed actually in the book. So that's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> she, she said in the original script, I think there was the slap, but. Um, she was, she said her character, she said her character should have said something like you bitch or something like that, but they weren't allowed to say that on a network television movie at the time, I guess. So she, uh, she said the line was something stupid for her character to say, uh, to the person who murdered her daughter. Um, and, uh, she says, she told them of the script. She's like, just have me say nothing at all. Have me say nothing at all. I'll just slap her. And I think that'll be more powerful if I say nothing rather than something stupid. So, um, so that was, uh, that's how that came about. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was a movie where, uh, it started her genre, her this genre that she would go on to do as I call them. And I think I word it like this in the book and it's my word, not, not my phrase, not hers. Um, uh, her determined mom uh, movies that she would do, you know, where she her kids were done wrong, you know, they were murdered or whatever, and she was out for vengeance. Uh, and that started with A Killer Among Friends. She did a whole lot of them um, in the 90s after that. Uh, and uh, she, that was a movie that was based on a true story. And um, she didn't want to meet the people who were involved, you know, the real people. She had the chance to, and she said no, because she didn't want them to see 
her, you know, acting as them and, you know, oh, look at me, what a great actress I am, you know, playing you kind of thing. Right. And uh, so she chose not to meet the people. She had on other sets, but for this particular one, she didn't feel comfortable meeting the people. I had nothing to do personally with them, but, you know, just for the reasons I said. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, I know she, she did enjoy them and she loved Loretta Swift. Uh, okay. She really did uh, love working with her. I, there is on YouTube a very uh, bad quality interview with them on the set of the movie that Entertainment Tonight did at the time. Um, and uh, when was, the movie was called Friends to the End, the original working title. And uh, yeah, but she that was her first. She did other, as I called, determined mom movies like uh, A Matter of Justice, what we mentioned with Martin sure. Sheen. She did uh, When He Didn't Come Home, which is also known as the Disappearing Act a few years later. Um uh, with um, Kelly Rowan, uh, yeah. So she did. She did quite a few of them, and she was damn good at them. I mean, the way her, like I said, when she was beating up that cop. Like you said, that was her favorite scene. Your favorite scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, she ended up part in the church too, if you recall, at the funeral, yes. um, where she loses it there too. I mean, yeah, she was really good at, at um, that stuff. I remember her saying, "I have to stop living in other people's misery so much." <laughs> Sometimes. But she plays some of these uh, very dramatic roles. Yes. Yeah. She's so good in them. Nate, what, what are some, or did you have anything else you want to say about that one? Uh, no, I mean, I, I just had to bring it up, though, because so it was good. the first one. So um, it's a classic now. Yes, I'm glad yes. They did release on D I'm glad it is on DVD. That one deserves yes. to be. I'm glad they did release it. Yeah. Um, and I would say uh, also for me, another one I, I have to mention just because I adore the movie so much is Amityville Part 4. Oh, sure. Yes. I love that movie. <laughs> oh, yes. I do, too. I do, too. It's got my favorite Oh, My God I moment where the, the garbage disposal scene will always, <laughs> always yeah. get to me every time I watch it. But she's so much to talk about when we were mentioning about how you hire her to do a movie and she puts in 110%. I think part of the reason why that movie works is because it's a really crazy story, but she's so genuine in the approach to her character yeah. and the mm -hmm. role. And it, it really like carries it for you. You know what I mean? It's like, it reminds me, she was a complete professional, even if the script was a piece of crap. Uh, she gave it, like you said, 110%. You know, it makes me think of people like Joan Crawford doing Trog. You know, like yes. stuff like that. Like oh, she, so she gave it her all. She gave it her all. You know, <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, Amityville is not in the book, and it was another one that I regretted not doing. Um, uh, but there was a discussion one time. We were at an autograph convention in Maryland in 2011, and um, oh my god, I'm forgetting her name. Um, was at the table next to us. She was a kitten on Father Knows Best. Um, what was her name? Oh yeah. Uh, Oh God! Um, I normally know this, but anyway, uh, she was she was there, and uh, she uh, Jane Wyatt from Father Knows Best yes. played um, played her mother on That's Father Knows right. Best played Anna's mother, Patty's mother in Amity before, and so she wanted a picture from that or whatever, and that was the only time I ever heard Anna. Uh, talk about Amityville for uh, at the conventions too because we often did a lot of horror conventions. We always had a you know a photo from Amityville that people could select if they wanted to buy uh, that she would sign. Um, uh, I heard her saying that was a movie that she believe it or not, and I was surprised to hear this, and I, I really regret not asking further. But it, was, it wasn't the time or the place. Uh, I remember her saying when she was signing for someone at one of these conventions, I remember overhearing her say that she really fought for that movie. Like she wanted, she really wanted to do that movie. I'm like, really? <laughs> so, you know, because I mean, you know, I love it, but you know, it is, you know, it's not the best movie in the world. And I think it is one of the better Amityville films. I really do. Oh, I do too. Um, I do too. Yeah. 
uh, because of the acting uh, is, you know, kind of a step up than some of the other ones. Um, but yeah, and it really did scare the hell out of me as a kid. That was one of the first I'd seen too. my local video store. Uh, in 1990, they were able to type in, you know, the actor and what movies they had. And they had the, the original Miracle Worker and they had Amityville 4. So I rented Amityville 4 and that was, you know, when I'd seen that for the first time. But uh, I know she loved working with Jane Wyatt uh, oh, on that. Good. I remember her telling me that. Um, but yeah, I think she had, she had fun. She had fun doing good. it. Yeah. That's good. That lamp. Oh my God. The hideous, hideous lamp. <laughs> nobody would ever buy, even as a joke. Yeah, so, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Nate, did you have anyone to add to that? Um, no, uh, I think we pretty much covered Amityville 4 for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got yeah, scared definitely. of one of her movies though when I was a kid. It was the Grave Secrets movie, you know, The Legend of Hilltop oh, Rock. Oh, why didn't I write that down? Yeah. I love Grave Secrets. That movie Secrets. scared me so much yeah. as a kid. It's, it's so upsetting because of the way it ends. Do you remember the ending? It is. Yes, it's very bleak. Bleak. Yeah, oh, very, so very, very sad. And, um, which, which is a shame that even though I adore that movie, I remember watching it when it first premiered on C- the CBS Tuesday night movie, um, in 90, early 92. Um, I never spoke to her about that film and I, damn, I regret that. Um, it's not in the book, obviously. Um, and after she passed, I remember reading on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere, um, David Selby, who played her husband in the yes. film, posted a picture of them together in a little, you know, tribute to her, um, and how much he enjoyed working with her and, uh, what a professional she was, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we never saw each other again afterwards as so often in this business. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was, and that was a very successful, um, film. Because I remember this, now you got, I can't say this to everybody. It's so, it's so cool to be able to talk to you guys. because you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, <laughs> It premiered as a Tuesday night movie on CBS, which is kind of like usually regarded as not as good as the Sunday night movies. Um, But like a year later, it re-ran as a Sunday night movie. So, um, you know, it did very well. And it was on VHS soon after, which was unheard of back then. Uh, So that quickly. Um, So I'm assuming the ratings were pretty good for that, uh, for that film. Um, But uh, yeah, that was another movie that I just, yeah, I love Grave Secrets. Uh, That's, some of hers. I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned it, Nate, because I didn't even think to write it down. And I just actually saw that for the first time, maybe four or five years ago. It was streaming on Amazon. And I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm just going to watch this. And I was blown away by how much I liked it because as a late entry TV movie, it doesn't have that same cinematic quality to it like the early ones do. But it's so good right. and it was gripping and it had that ending. I'll just never get over mm-hmm. how it doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. So it, it's it's not vanilla at all. Because by the 90s, yeah. there was a lot of happy yeah. endings to a lot of these movies. And she yeah, does not, not that get book. It. I mean, not that film. Yeah, no. I never read the book it was based on. It was based on a book called The Black Hole Horror that the couple that they played in the film wrote uh, yes. about their experiences. Uh, and I guess we should say what it's about. You know, it's about a haunted house that they move into. It's a brand new house that they had built, but it was built on an ancient, uh, not an ancient, but a, um, um, uh, an old cemetery it was built yes. on, which was never disclosed. And they started experiencing all these paranormal things in the house. Um, and uh, it led to a death of somebody, um, you know, without a spoiler, you know, somebody yeah. does die in it. And apparently that happened in real life. It's so sad. It's oh, horrible. And it also has gratuitous yeah. David's soul. <laughs> it has David Soul in there. Yeah, it yes. has David Soul in it in a very nothing part though, you know. I mean he didn't have much of a part and not that he wasn't good, but I mean, you know, you think he'd have a bigger role in it. But he's great in it. It was so good to see him. Yeah, he's great in it. Yeah. And they worked together years earlier on Owen Marshall, counselor oh. at law. Oh my uh, gosh. You know, she did 
Yeah, she did a guest spot in that, and they got to work together closer together. And she was like a real, uh, oh my, nasty, nasty character in in that um, uh, oh. thing. That's on YouTube. That's fun to watch. Oh, yeah, very um, kind of like her character in Night Gallery kind of character. Just if you recall that, you know, just very mean. And you know, she she has this baby, and she's only keeping the baby to, to get the boyfriend. And once the boyfriend, who's David Soul, doesn't want her, she doesn't want the baby anymore. And yeah, so uh, you know, just kind of nasty. That just reminded. <laughs> me i wrote this down and i don't know if you ever had a chance to talk to her and you probably didn't ever see it yourself because they're so hard to find but there, she did a wide world mystery movie which were those late night abc movies that aired in the 70s called uh, i think it was called hard day at blue note yes. and i'm curious have you yeah. ever seen that or talked to her about it no it's killing me that's on my list and uh, i have a couple promote you know publicity stills from it oh, um, but uh, she did that with her yeah yeah I, she did that with her then husband john Aston, and yes. um uh, I have never been able to find a copy of that. That was one of the, as we call, holy grails for us Patty Duke fans of, you know, um, shows to, that we're searching for. Uh, it's not the number one holy grail, but um, oh, that's another that? one I run, done around that time. That one um, is a PBS program from 1971 called Birdbath that she did with James Tarantino, who she did many TV movies with as well. Oh, yeah, she really uh, liked him. And, Yes, and she, uh, uh, Lamont Johnson directed that, who directed her in um, My Sweet Charlie Sweet and Charlie, the yeah. feature film You Like My Mother. And remind me about You Like My Mother in a minute, because I have a TV movie to tell about that, even though it was a feature film. It's a funny oh, story about okay. her to tell about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Birdbath is this two-person play um, with her and James Tarantino, uh, and it was just, and she wrote in this book, she mentions it, uh, that she didn't understand it. She's like, I don't know if I understand it if I read the play today, but I played it, you know, the way I, you know, I just interpreted it. And I got a telegram from the playwright after it aired and it said, that's exactly who I wanted that character to be. You, you know, you nailed it. Um, and only about a month ago, and most people don't even know this. I've been keeping it kind of, you know, tight-lipped about it. Uh, um, this wonderful man that I met on Facebook, he, back in the day, you know, because remember, no VCRs or anything back then, uh, he would. He was such a big fan of hers, he recorded the audio from Birdbath. Oh, wow. Oh. And he just found it. And he found it. So it's just the audio, but he found it. Sure. And, he set, and he had it transferred to CD, and he sent it to me. So I got to listen, <gasps> even though I haven't seen oh, it nice. yet, I got to listen oh, to it. It's great. about 40 it's about 50 I guess it was originally about an hour it was like 50 minutes something like that and uh, it's you could just tell even from listening to this is one of her best performances I mean she was brilliant in it and uh, most of my friends who are of that age who remember when it premiered uh, I've always said that, and now, not that I didn't believe them, but now, you know, I, I, I confirmed it <laughs> for my own case. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Okay, well... Um, yeah, one day, hopefully, I'll see it. Yeah, well, hopefully we can find that Wide World Mystery as well. I actually have a friend who's trying to yeah. piece together the entire Wide World Mystery filmography, and I, he may... Aren't some of them on DVD? Are some of them on DVD or something? Four, I some of them were. Yeah. Four of them came out through Dark Sky Films. I have them. Um, but a lot uh -huh. of them, my friend feels are lost. Like they they didn't keep a copy ABC, and yeah. but he's oh. been putting together a pretty. It's the most complete list I've ever seen of the Wide World Mystery wow. screening or airings. And he may have found yeah. a movie for me, so I will ask him about this Blue Note thing for you and see. There's something he... else. But that's be awesome. Yeah, there's something else they her and John Aston did. They worked a lot together with, when they were married when she was all those Patty Duke Aston through those years. And uh there was another one called Miss Klein We Love You, which was kind of like a precursor to an after school special, I guess you oh. would say. 
that was shot on videotape in the same year as Hard Day Blue Nose 74. And um, that one I actually do have a copy of, even though it's rare as hell. Um, A New York station, I I didn't record it myself originally, but a fellow fan sent me a copy years ago um, in the late 80s. A local New York station aired it as a late, late show, and he recorded it. Um, And uh, that, that was another really rare, even though I've had it for years, it's a really super rare um, and it really was like, a, it was, it's not considered a TV movie, but it really is. It's like an hour and a half. <laughs> so, uh, it really is the length of a TV movie where she plays a teacher, a young teacher who comes to work with, uh, with kids who are, um, in a hospital, uh, and these kids are, most of the kids are dying. And so she works with them and, you know, you see if she's emotionally able to take that. Um, and John Aston is the, um, doctor who's the head of it who hired her and that and uh you know so she uh, goes to see if she has what it takes to um deal with these you know emotional struggles of uh teaching children who are probably going to die very soon um yeah and that's on youtube as well yeah um but um yeah that that was another good one from that time yeah um dan would you want to talk about some of your favorites Oh sure, sure. Uh, well, obviously Amityville Four, um, but sure. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll skip on by that. Um, I, I, I do. I rewatched some of Curse of the Black Widow just the other day. Just and I'd forgotten that she does the two different parts, and right. of course yeah. the Spiker, obviously too. And there's such a great cast in that. I mean, Good Gravy, Sid oh, Caesar pops up at one point. Yeah, Sid yeah. Caesar and uh, like we said, June Allison and yes. uh, yeah, I mean John Mills, Tony Franciosa, yeah, Ross, Vic Moore, Ross Kelly. Yeah. Oh yeah, Ross, Ross Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, yes. Ross I Kelly. love her. Um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there are a couple of cool stories in the book about making that. Um, yes. She said Donna Mills was very particular about her hair. And she liked Donna. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. She liked Donna a lot. Uh, they did a few movies together. But uh, Donna Hills was very particular about her hair. And there was a certain scene where, if you recall, her character had to be sprayed with the spider silk, you know, whatever they used for that. And um, so she says, okay, just make sure you don't get my hair. Don't get my hair. You know, she was always about her hair. And she said Anna felt that the crew, she says, I could be wrong, but I felt the crew was sick and tired of hearing her go on about her hair. So <laughs> she says they purposely, she, she feels they purposely aimed it at her head, at her hair. <laughs> and Donna apparently freaked out and wouldn't work for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, you know, after that. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And uh, she adored Dan Curtis, too. There's a chapter in him in the book, and she heard so many nasty things about him. Uh, about how he's so mean and everything. She said the first thing was, I think he, she says in the book, he scared the bejesus out of me uh, because he shouted, but then yes. she realized he was largely deaf, um, and that's why he was shouting like that. And um, she felt she the choice for the movie. She said she was hired very late, um, right before they started shooting, I guess. And uh, she didn't know how to approach. You just mentioned about the, um, uh, you know, she played the two parts in it, yeah. and um, kind of sort of two parts. You'd have to see the movie to understand. <laughs> um, it's like the same part, but different personality, you know, whatever. You know, she, she sat in her dressing room and cried uh, because they wanted her to do this European accent, and she had no idea what the hell to do. <laughs> uh, and she just sat, and she was too embarrassed to ask anybody for help. She just sat in her dressing room and cried uh, because she didn't know how to do this accent <laughs> that they wanted her to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting because she kind of came in last minute, right? And so they just gave her very little time yeah. to prepare yeah. for the, uh, the role. Yeah. So yeah. she was like, it's part Austrian, it's part this, you know what I mean? And it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, I, part I, that. And it, not, not in our book, but in the original. In Colmiana, she had said something. I think the line was, which I thought was great, I sounded more like my dog trying to imitate Marlena Dietrich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. 
<laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've forgotten that she, she did that in the movie. Then I rewatched it. And I was like, what is she doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It reminded me. I was I was thinking of uh, Karen Black in the middle uh, segment of Trilogy of Terror. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wilson yeah. and Therese, yeah. 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 Sort of thing, yeah. Um, uh, then, then a few of the others. Um, now, now, these two I haven't uh, watched in years, um, and I didn't get a chance to look at them again, but I remember quite enjoying them. Is One of them is Killer on Board. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Cruise ship like and a there's virus. a virus, and yes, and the reason yeah. why I watched that actually was because I just finished watching Moving On with Frank Converse and Claude Akins, which is a trucking show oh, that oh. I love, and they are both That's in funny. that. That's came on DVD. Was that just released on DVD? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, super, super yeah. fun show, and um, mm-hmm. it's very much like Route 66, except with 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 trucks, and they travel around the country, right. and they are actually they actually go around the country when they do it, which is cool. But I watched it for that. And I stayed for the Patty Duke. It was just I didn't realize she was in it. I put <laughs> yes. it on. Oh, yeah. Patty Duke! And 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 the the, the other one was um uh, Nightmare with the guy oh, who sees the, the, Richard Crenna. Richard Crenna. Richard Crenna. Richard Crenna. Yeah. Henry Winkler. Yeah. Henry yeah. Winkler's in that, oh, yes. right? And and Henry Winkler's in it. And I'd always heard this rumor for years, and it wasn't until they did CBS did release Nightmare on DVD last year. I remember Amanda. Yes give you the link for that a while ago is was, was i had a real crappy late late show version from the 90s um that was very edited i turned out uh cbs did uh like i said released on dvd last year people have been saying for years that john travolta That's had right. a very early role in that and i never believed it because i'm like i've seen the movie how many times and i don't I never saw it. i saw henry winkler but not john travolta well son of a bitch he did have uh, a, a part <laughs> a small part in it like toward the end of the film and our team of richard oh. krenna I'm like, God, that is John Travolta. And if you look at his IMDb, I believe it's his first. Uh, he's not even credited oh. in it, but I think it's his very first appearance, I think. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's a good movie. Around the time yeah. we started this podcast, I did that in a double feature with uh, with uh, Linda Day, George, Telly Savalas, one where she sees oh, the killing. She cried and, which murder. I'm mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I, I, I thought those, I just saw the brief uh, write-ups on those two, and I watched them together. That's a great double. I never even thought about those. We could double those at some point. Good. Yeah, we definitely could. Yeah. And, and the last one I'll bring up is actually technically... It's not a TV movie, but it was the only – it was the episode she did of the only 90-minute Western ever, The Virginian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, mm-hmm. it was – and I recently – for the past four years, I've been watching The Virginian from beginning to end, and I recently finished it. And she is in season five. She's in an episode called Sue Ann, which I've actually had playing on my left the entire time we've been talking here, where she's kind <laughs> of a – wow. she, she's kind of a, a gal, and she's gorgeous in it. She's absolutely, absolutely beautiful yeah. in it. She's and, 20, and she, yeah. She she is um she she's like a gal who uh she's taking care of her dad and her brothers out in the middle of nowhere as they're doing some farming and then she kind of meets Trampus Doug McClure I mean come on Patty Duke Doug McClure and Clue Gulliger hello oh and yeah, yeah. It's like the, the moment you see like a, her sitting with Doug McClure in a stagecoach it's like woohoo and, <laughs> and and she basically decides sort of there's more to life and she ends up kind of coming to Medicine Bow where the um where the show is set and she becomes like a waitress at the local saloon kind of thing and there are shenanigans and stuff but it's a it's it's a wonderful yeah and and the the episode is 77 minutes long so i'm counting it as sort of a tv movie but not it is kind of i mean it's longer than some of her tv movies you know as you know the abc movies of the week were even shorter than that um yeah that was the only i find the virginian interesting because it was the only um i never talked to her about it but her first book homey and she mentioned that she was upstaged by a horse in it <laughs> um, you know, uh, so, uh, but, um, uh, I finally saw it. I was expecting to see this horse. There was no horse. Uh, but anyway, um, she, uh, I thought it was maybe a Mr. Red kind of thing. Um, but, uh, she, 
that was the only piece of acting she did between the Patty, the only transition between the Patty Duke show and Valley of the Dolls. Oh, wow. So was the Virginian. So because Patty Duke show ended in 66, uh, the Virginian, she filmed in early 67. And then right after that, she shot Valley of the Dolls, which would be released in later in six, the end of 67. Uh, so when she was looking for more adult roles and not, you know, Patty and Kathy Lane, you know, teenage kind of roles. Um, you know, she was a married woman. She felt she was very old at 20 and, you know, ready to take on these, uh, you know, uh, more dramatic roles, I guess, uh, adult roles. Um, but yeah, with the Virginian, uh, like that, uh, I never, like I said, I have a publicity stiller too from that, but, um, she had never, uh, mentioned it, uh, to me, um, nightmare. Uh, she, like uh, Amanda mentioned before, she adored Richard Crenna. She, considered him her favorite leading man ever. And uh, we have a chapter on him in the book. So Nightmare is got, gets a few paragraphs, if I recall. And uh, she said, you know, they shot in Los Angeles, which somehow she said made a perfect double for New York. It, it actually it does look like New York in it, but we shot it in does. LA. <laughs> it does. I yeah. think there must be Century City or something. Probably, yeah. You're probably right, yeah. And um, she... You know, she said there was a, a subway station and a reality note went nowhere. And, you know, um, uh, were subways around back then in L.A.? I really I don't even no, know. No, no, no. It's in the book. The, okay. the subway here, the subway here opened in like uh, 2002 or one oh, or wow. something like I didn't know that. Yeah. that recent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, so she uh, would talk about Nightmare, how much at, when she met, when she worked with Richard Crenna on that, she said, I never wanted to work with some of the leading man again. And uh, she just adored him so much. And they agreed, they disagreed politically a lot. I mean, she was very left leaning. He was very right leaning. And uh, he, you know, would often it's in the book when they did It Takes Two. Uh, scream things across the hallway. What kind of communist manifesto blanks do you have with you today? You know, this little <laughs> feminist stuff and, you know, different things, you know, she would have uh, with her. But she said, despite that, you know, like they were just, you know, they just adored each other and so they did great. work together, as we know, on yeah. three different, two TV movies and it's and it too. It's such great chemistry. That's what I was just going to say. They had crazy chemistry. Yeah. Oh, I love them. They too. really They're did. So you, believed, nice you believed they were married. You know, you, you believed that. Um, and uh, she... Um, you know, she never, uh, I don't know if I'm wording this correctly, but she never really got over. I think there's a line in the book that says, you know, at heart, Richard Crenna was my favorite leading man. It's hard to say the word was, you know, like that he's yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Um, because she, she just adored him so much. Um, and, uh, he would play a lot of pranks on her and try to get her to laugh during serious scenes and nightmares. She was saying, so I can imagine she that's by the scene. I can imagine not to give a spoiler, but the scene at the end where she's attacked toward the end. Yeah. Uh, I could just imagine, um, you know, maybe Krenda off camera, you know, doing something to make her laugh. Or something. <laughs> so great. Uh, but yeah, a very underrated forgotten little TV film. And I'm, I'm just grateful that, like CBS is releasing a handful of these a yeah. year and beautiful yes. prints of them, gorgeous yeah. prints. I mean, they look gorgeous. Like Elizabeth Montgomery's An Act of Violence, you know, they released. Mm. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, Hostage with Carol Burnett and, uh, you know, her daughter Carrie Hamilton. And uh, another one that I can't believe nobody's mentioned yet because you guys talked about was Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby. They yes. released two years ago. That, so. that, that was, <laughs> I, I was going to actually, the, the last one I was going to bring up was that and just ask, <laughs> does she talk about it in the book? Don't spoil it. Yes. I, because okay, because I just think that movie's so nutty, and I just, I just, like, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. We do have a, yeah, yes, and we do have a little Ruth Gordon chapter. She also did a love yes. boat with Ruth Gordon. That's and right, I read a very that. early episode of Love Boat. Yeah, it was one. It was so like the cool. fifth or sixth episode of the series. It was a very early one, and Tab Hunter was in that with them as well. That episode, oh, and so um, so uh, she talked about Ruth Gordon, and um, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but you know, basically it was a, you know, let's. Uh, 
get the kids braces kind of movie, you know, paycheck movie <laughs> for her. Uh, you, you know, one of my favorite lines is in the movie. One of my favorite lines in the book that she comes up with um, is in that where, where she's talking about that. And she says, um, you know, we're usually trying to create, she's like, I didn't play Rosemary the first time. We're usually trying to create something and it's hard to recreate something. You know, she's like, when I would later play Patty and Kathy later years, she's like, and she said, the line, if I'm not mistaken is, even French toast isn't good the next day or something like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know, you know the line. I yeah, I know the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's good reheated or something right. like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, yeah, that was a, that was a, uh, let's do it for the paycheck kind of movie. Uh, but she was, the interesting thing is that she was considered, she was on the short list of actresses considered for the original before they cast Mia Farrow. That's right. Um, so interesting uh, that, you know, about all of that. And, and yeah. of course, the Roman Polanski collection with Sharon, um, connection rather with Sharon Tate and everything. Yeah, um, there's, yeah. A, there's a nice so, yeah. little section on Sharon Tate in there too, everybody. I think we'll go to first like I did because we're all so fascinated yeah. by that story. Um, just real yeah. quickly, yeah. Uh, Nate, I'm sorry, I know I cut you off. Is there any other movies you wanted to mention? Um, there's actually one, uh, but it's uh, because I don't know the title of it. And I thought now that we have the Patty Duke expert here, yes. <laughs> he can help me with the title of this movie that I saw with my mother when I was very, very young. But okay. what I mainly remember from it is that her son is stolen and raised by somebody else. And when he gets to be a teenager, he finds out and he goes back to stay with her for a while. And I think yeah. at the end, he ends up like going back to his adoptive family because I think they were innocent anyway in what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I later, a few minutes ago in my head, that movie popped up. And I said, I forgot to mention that when you were asking for my list of favorite TV movies, because that's definitely one of them. And there is a chapter in the book on Always Remember I Love You, 1990, um, it was called. And uh, she and D Richard Mazur were uh, parents who had oh. the child stolen um, 14 years earlier when he was two out of the backyard. She went to go answer the telephone and left for just a minute. And when she came back, he was gone. Um, and it turns out 14 years later, when the kid's 16, he found out he was not only adopted, which he didn't know, by Joan Van Ark and David Burney, um, but uh, he was stolen. And the adoptive parents, Joan Van Ark and David Burney, had no idea that he was stolen. They thought it was a you know a legal adoption. Um, it's Joan Van Ark, so for he, heaven's sake. She, Joan, Joan Van, Van Ark, yes. never and she did. Been. She was, I have <laughs> never met Joan Van Ark. But I have to tell you, she is one of the sweetest people. I did a phone Aww. interview with her about 10 years ago about Anna. She adored her. She says she was my favorite actress ever. She even had um, them write a scene. For, the original script apparently didn't have a scene for them together. She asked the writer to include to write something Aww. for them so they could act together in a scene. So and she great. took, she was filming Knott's Landing at the time in L.A. And this yeah. was shot up in Vancouver. And she said she actually asked, uh, you know, she said it was very difficult for her to get out of the Knott's Landing schedule, you know, for that to work. But she was determined to make this film with Patty Duke. And, uh, you know, she actually wrote in the back of the, in the back of the book or in the, in, I think the front page of the book, there's a little blurb, you know, because I had sent her some chapters, um, year and a half ago, uh, rough copies, rough chapters from the book and, uh, you know, very lovely woman. I hope to meet her one day. Um, yeah, very supportive and oh, just so adored great. her. So we much. all love her. Yeah. Here. Oh yes. Yeah. That movie always remember. I love you. Um, and if you don't cry at the end of that movie, like there's something wrong. My mother cried and cried and cried. I, I mean, I don't know if she's ever cried as much at a movie as yeah. she did at the end of that one. Oh, I've so seen good. it, I guess, 
I, I must have seen the movie, I'm guessing, like 30 times over the years. I just love it so much. And uh, I probably cry every single time. I usually watch it every Christmas. Uh, Lifetime used to air it a lot. And that's another kind of forgotten one. But people always mention it, but it's never really re- received the DVD release. And it was only on VHS in the UK, you know, back in the day. Um, never in the States. And, uh, yeah, it really does. It's a very popular one. So I was, I'm hoping CBS releases it or somebody releases it at some point um, because it is uh, a popular one, but one that needs more, you know, at the same time, more recognition and should be yeah. uh, released. I watch it. Like I said, I watch it every Christmas time. Um, and uh, just uh, Stephen Dorff was the boy, uh, an early acting oh, role for Stephen yes. Dorff. There's was, a photo the boy of was it kidnapped. in your book. Yes, and I remember showing her the photos, you know, when we were working on that uh, chapter. Like I said before, you know, I often show her to help jog her memory with stuff. And uh, I remember her saying, I don't remember if it's a book or not, but I remember her saying to me, uh, you know, that's a movie I can't watch because it makes me cry too much. (laughs) Um, One more movie I wanted to bring up real quick, um, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I've seen it several times. It's called Love Lessons with her and Ronnie Cox. Yeah. where yeah. she plays an older woman who gets pregnant and I that's a, that's one that they played on Lifetime forever. Yeah. It was on for and I have yeah. it on VHS. I just taped it off a of Lifetime airing. I love that movie so much. And it's one of those movies where I'm feeling a little blue and I want something kind of romantic and sweet and like, you know, I put mm-hmm. that on because I just think it just hits all the right notes throughout the whole thing. It's just wonderful. And I can't remember if it's in the book or not because I'm not quite done. It's not it's not in the book, um, and I, again, I wish it was. I wish we had been able to put every movie in there. Yeah. We did a lot of them, um, yes. and some of them we did, you know, not their own chapter, of course, but let's say Richard Crenna, where we talk about Nightmare, or you know, a certain actor where we'll mention the projects, including TV movies that they worked on together. Uh, but yeah, Love Lessons. I actually never spoke with her about Love Lessons. I um, already knew her by the point I already met her. I think once by the uh, point she filmed it in 2000 up in Vancouver. Um, you know, I know that, uh, she felt, uh, you know, the Ronnie Cox character was written as kind of like a villain and she yeah. thought he played him well to make it flesh him out more. Uh, I remember that. Um, I do remember, um, her telling me years ago that there was a death in the family. Um, uh, and, uh, when they were shooting that, they wouldn't let her out, um, oh, to no. attend the funeral or something. I rem- I remember that. But um, and I thought it was cool because I'm a big design and women fan, and uh, Douglas Barr, who played Gene Smart's oh, husband yeah, in that, yeah. directed the film. Oh, yeah, wow. and who you know, you know, did other stuff. So wasn't he on the? Was he on the A Team? Was he on? What was the show he was on? Doug Barr. He was on was the, the Fall A-team? Guy. The Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's yeah. right. The Fall Guy. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. him. He was in um, Deadly Blessing, that Wes Craven movie. Yes, yes, that that's Sharon right. Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't in the film, but he directed it. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I knew he directed. I didn't know he directed that. I don't think. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he did that. So he, yeah, he directed that film, and um, you know, um, I think she she was happy with it. I know she liked the pregnancy stuff. Uh, she was I think yeah. fifty four at the time and playing a fifty year old who gets pregnant, and she loved you know the pregnancy suit. And I know she had said you know people would come up on the, you know even though people knew it was fake on the set crew or whatever they would come up and you know still feel the stomach you know put their hand oh, over the stomach you know on the on the fake thing and uh-huh. stuff yeah uh but that's a nice tv movie it really yeah, is sweet. another one it's that really should sweet. be released on dvd yeah uh it was a cbs movie that you know like you said aired on lifetime forever before we go i just wanted you were going to tell a story about you'll like my mother yes thank you for uh reminding me yes you like my mother. A lot of people, as I'm sure you guys know, think was a movie. A lot of people think it was a movie of the week. Yes. Uh, and um, it, it kind of plays out like that, which we know is not an insult by any means. Um, but uh, you know, it kind of plays like a movie of the week, kind of because it had the same you know kind of music and same kind of 
feeling to it as a lot of those early horror, you know, movie the movies of the week from the early seventies. And uh it was a feature film. And uh years well, I told you earlier that I met her in Canada for the first time in ninety eight in Montreal and I gave her, besides having her sign stuff, I also gave her gifts um of stuff of hers that I figured she wouldn't have. And uh one of them was a you like my mother poster because I had an extra. So I gave her uh, my other one. And uh, she says, oh, my God, she's like, she says she's like they had it. She's like they had a movie poster for a TV movie. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so awesome. even so even her so even herself thought it was a TV movie. And I'm like, no, this is actually a feature film. You know, it was just kind of as I understand it wasn't in theaters very long. It wasn't like a smash, you know, box office hit or anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, so she thought that. And then years later in 2008, I was doing a Q&A she was doing outside of Chicago um, as an audience member, and I can't remember the context of why it was mentioned or how it was meant, something like that. It was some kind of question I had, and you're like, my mother was the answer. And um, she said something about it being a TV movie, and here I'm in the audience and uh, in this theater, and uh, I, she mentioned something about it being a TV, she referred to it as being a TV movie. And I said, and I said to her in the audience, I'm like, it's not a TV movie. And she said, yes, it is. And she and I got into like, a, like I want to see a heated argument, but it was very comical. We got into an argument, whether it was a TV movie or not. You know, I'm fine. And I said, Anna, I said, you know, I, you tell me, you know, I know more about your career than you do. Trust me, it was a feature film. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we just got into this argument about whether it was a TV movie or not. I said, it was a feature film. I played in theaters. I have, you know, a talk show or, uh, she did What's My Line, the game show, when she was promoting the film, wow. uh, you know, that I have a copy of, um, where oh, she was wow. a mystery celebrity guest. Yeah, she was a mystery celebrity guest on that. And, um, and that's mentioned in the book as well. Um, we, we do have you like my mother chapter uh, in that. And um, which is cool, though, is she got to mention the book. Just a few months before we worked on the book, she got to go back to uh, Duluth, Minnesota, where they shot it, uh, to go back to the big mansion where they filmed it. And they were having, you know, like a film festival there. And she was a special guest. And uh, she got to see you know, a lot of crew people again. This is over 40 years later. Wow. Uh, she got to revisit. And she said, please try to find. She went on the local news and she's like, please, I'd love to find the baby, the woman who played my baby in the film. It was only like a few days or a week old or something at the time that they filmed it. She's like, I would love to find it. And then uh, the child, well, the then child, mother actually wrote in and uh, they did a separate news segment of them meeting each other. And uh, the the one who played the ba- the one who was at the time a baby, uh, she was now. Uh, they did a Skype interview with her, a video interview, and they showed that she was um, living somewhere else in the country doing uh, mental health uh, counseling oh, or something like that. You know, in, tra- in school for that. How interesting! Yeah. yeah. So it was really. I know it was a big kick for her to try to you know to try to um, you know you know go back and re- you know think about it. I mean, she filmed the. F- she did the film forty seven years earlier, and you know left the set and never came back. Uh, and uh, yeah, so she had a lot of fun um, doing that, and she she enjoyed that. I, she really did like that film. I remember her saying that was a good movie. I remember uh, right. she said yeah, she loved classic. Rosemary Murphy. She loved Rosemary Murphy. I know there in the book she mentions uh, that she's like I never thought to ask her, but she walked. She had a different walk in the film, like she kind of limps in the film, and uh, she I never thought to ask her if she wore special shoes or how she did that and how she kept it up the continuity um, with it. And she's like, that's not how she walked in real life. Um, and then she later did before and after with uh, a TV movie with um, her uh, playing her mom. And uh, quickly, oh. I want to mention that film as I did earlier. That's the one where she loses the weight and stuff. Yes. That's a great film, 79 TV movie with Chad Farrell, Barbara Feldon, uh, Bradford Dillman, who just passed. Yes. Um, and Jean Smart in her first role, uh, oh. a tiny little role in that. 
Um, and uh, these are from Seattle where Gene was from. So even before Gene even moved to Los Angeles, that was done. And um, this is, there was a funny story in the book about that before and after because they Brenda Vaccaro was originally hired for the part and she started oh. shooting it. Well, she didn't get along with the producer, some kind of creative differences or something. And she walked out on the film and they were in Seattle. They had a film crew, the cast and crew there, you know, time's wasting, you know, time is money. And uh, they called her and asked, said, look, Brenda Vaccaro just dropped out of this film. Uh, would you consider, you know, coming in? And she's, you know, what's your going rate for a TV movie? You know, um, and uh, she said, for one of the few times in her life, I was a smart businesswoman. And I told them what my going rate was. And she said, but if you want me there in Seattle tomorrow morning, you got to double my rate. Uh, I want double um, that. And she said, well, they guess they thought, you know, well, paying her double her rate will be cheaper than, you know, and more time efficient than uh, trying to find somebody else to agree to it. You know, because again, they wanted her the next day on the set in Seattle. Um, and uh, so she went and did that, uh, you know, the next day um, they agreed and uh, she went and did that. And she, and Betty White was in that film too, a very bitchy, Sue oh, kind of character oh, um, in that. She, she had a cameo with the, um, it was like a weight counseling class and she was, you know, really mean. And she, yeah, this shows you it's 1979. They can never get away with this today. They would make them, if they put on weight at the weigh-in on these Weight Watchers type of meetings, if they if they put on weight since their last weigh-in, they made them wear these plastic pig masks. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, oh. so yeah, and uh, you know, for, for being like that, and um, yeah, Barbara Feldman played uh, Barbara Feldman and Kachata Farrell played her two best friends in oh. it, and she adored them both oh. so much. And it's a really, really good film, and I, she enjoyed that a lot. She made that right around the time she did the Miracle Worker remake. Um, and uh, she was very thin at the time. And she's like, they really had to, you know, put a lot of padding on me at the time. And she said it was my idea that in the heavy scenes that, you know, I wear a wig, a long wig to cover my skinny neck. And uh, she said, you know, and they did their best. She said they did a remarkable job in making me look beautiful in the after scenes after she lost the weight. And, uh, yeah, she, um, yeah, that was a good, that was a really good film. Again, only on VHS in the U.K., they seem to have. I love how they always release American movies there that don't get released here in the states, but yes. at least somebody's releasing them, right? I'm finding that out. Yeah. Yeah. Before and after was one that you know, if your listeners haven't seen, you know, try to. I think it's it's on YouTube and you know you can get copies wherever, but bootleg copies. But um, yeah, that that was a really good film and one that she really did uh, enjoy doing. It's you know it's very it's dated obviously uh 70s and um you know a lot of the music in the you know the wardrobe are very dated but uh it's a fun film and, it, and it's it's interesting that it's a very early tv movie um feature films weren't tackling things about eating disorders back then but tv movies were um yes. and i don't even know if the the phrase was coined yet eating disorder at the time they never called it that and they never referred to it in the film but um yeah but the reason why I got into that too was Rosemary Murphy was her mom in that. And I heard she, I don't know the story behind this and she didn't know either, but I read somewhere years ago that in some TV movie book, when I was in college. Um, don't remember the name of it. Um, but uh, that Inga Swenson was originally hired oh. for the mother who played oh. you know, from Benson and, and sure. played her mother in the Miracle Worker film, the original um, 1962 Miracle Worker. And um, for some reason that didn't work out and Rosemary Murphy wound up doing it. But um, yeah, she and Kenneth Mars, a lot of TV movie. Yeah, every time I see Kenneth Mars, I think of someone I touched. But, oh yeah, um, sure. you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's dance film. Yeah. Someone oh, I, 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 I touched. 
Oh, and I met Cloris a few years ago. I was assisting <laughs> Anna at an autograph convention. At the, they were at the same convention. So I went up to Cloris. I had a friend of mine make a Phyllis Isn't You t-shirt. Um, sure isn't you, rather. Uh, t-shirt, and Cloris adored it, and I gave her one, too. I had one for her. And uh, anyway, so I said, Cloris, I don't know what this says about me, but on my iPhone right now, I could prove it to you if you want. I have in my music section, I have the title song for someone I touched. <laughs> and, and she laughed. She's like, do you really? I'm like, yes. I'm like, if there wasn't such a line behind me, you know, I would have, you know, pulled it out and played it for her. But, but uh, I'm like, I swear I do. Because I love that so much. And if, oh, yeah. if the movie ended even just at the beginning credits after that song, I would be okay. fine. And I'm just like, I, I love how the health department finds a girl on the beach playing volleyball and he parks the Chevy Nova, you know, to tell her that she has VD, you know, while she's on the beach and everything. Yeah. I'm like, how the heck did he find her there? And <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, that's one I. That's one of my favorite TV uh, movies. Uh, getting getting t- getting touched by Kenneth Mars. Who, your who mileage paper. Yeah, getting well, touched yeah. by Kenneth Mars. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all about the Mars bar. I heard. You know? so, yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Well, guess what? That's how we're gonna end this. Guys, that's, how we're that's a great way to one. end it. It's a great way to end it on the Mars bar, okay? So, just just to recap, um, your book is called "In the Presence of Greatness: My 60-Year Journey as an Actress" mm-hmm. by Patty Duke and William J. Jankowski, yep. which is available through yeah, Amazon right. and Bear mm-hmm. Manor. Bear Manor, yeah. Uh, also, BarnesandNoble.com carries it, oh, and great. Bear Manor yeah. just just added. Um, only on Bear Manor's site. You could download for I think like ten dollars the ebook version oh, of it as well. If you didn't okay. want the, the paper version, so um, yeah, so it's available through different online retailers like that. Uh, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so uh, thank you. I, I had so much fun. I know I would, yeah. but I, I had more too. fun than I even thought. <laughs> yes, this was great. Um, it, it's been really good because when we did our Patty episode, we enjoyed it, but we felt like we picked maybe we could have picked a different film than Look What Happened to Rosemary's Baby. And this gave us a chance. And we actually said we we're going to do another Patty episode at some point. And I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we did. I think we were stymied. We were stymied by Rosemary. Look it's what a strange Rosemary's film. Baby. It's a strange film. But, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but I think oh. uh, we did the ultimate <laughs> that we could here. And I have to say you did the Lord's work because – not only are you commemorating a wonderful actress that really deserves to be remembered forever um, for all of the work that she yeah. did and all of the joy she brought everyone in this room talking right now, but also what you've done in helping people document the made-for-TV movie is very important, too. And to get that kind of oral history is so amazing. And it's rare because Patty Duke died fairly young, but a lot of these people are already gone, too. And yeah. so it's yeah. so nice that there's a place that people can go and read a really respectful documentation of this from somebody who was there. So I really, really appreciate all of the time that you've taken in your life. Thank you. Not just as a fan, but just to like historically do this for us because it's so mm-hmm. freaking important. So I and that think was important to her too. So I'm glad you're recognizing that because that, that was the main reason why we she agreed to do the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you did a wonderful yeah, job because with historical importance. Thank you, thank you. I'm very proud of it, and I think she'd yeah. be very happy with the final product too. She so. never got to see the final draft, but I think she'd be very uh, happy. She went about <laughs> 50 different edits uh, before it was published, <laughs> okay. but uh, but uh, yeah, she. Um, 
Yeah, they always say it takes longer to edit than to write, and they're right. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so thank you so much. Yeah, the and the TV movie genre, except for a few books, is largely ignored, and I think yes. that's a shame, and I friggin' love them. And I'm experiencing, yeah. thanks to YouTube, a lot of ones I'd never seen in the you know from before I was born and stuff. So uh, thank you, guys. Uh, I've been a fan yeah. of your page for so long, and you're one of the uh, – I've been lucky that a lot of people have been – contacted me for promotion for the book but i did contact amanda quite a while back like over maybe a year ago or something whenever it was when this book comes out when this book comes out you're the you guys are i'm not bsing you you guys are the very very first place online place that i thought of uh to talk about the book so um i'm not kidding so um, thank you thank you bill thank you yeah this this has been great thank you guys i Oh, I would, you know, if you ever want me as a, reg- as a, as a semi-regular panelist or whatever, you know, I'd love to just talk to you guys. Again, not even just about Patty and Duke movies. I just love the TV movie jo- genre in oh, general. I can tell. I can um, tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, someone I touched, I mean, you know, like, come on, you can't get better than that. Yeah, with the, what yeah. is it? Is it Intimate Desires or what is the one? Oh, the Intimate, other, Agony. You, Intimate Agony. Intimate Agony. Oh, oh my God. That's the one with Judith Light. Where yes. with the, oh, my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Killer so on Board good. was another disease one that you mentioned that we didn't um, talk really talk about, but but uh, that was another, you know, disease of the week one. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, she did a few of those uh, disease of the week, <laughs> you know, common, films. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's such classics, and um, you know, and it's fun getting to see a lot of people starting out in them that later became mm. famous. I mean, yeah, I was yes. going to kick out of that, or people, you know, who were big feature film stars, you know, now doing now doing you know TV movies because it really offered women. I remember reading something with Lee Remick years ago in, in an in-depth interview with her, and she's saying TV movies. You don't get these kind of roles for women in feature films anymore. You have to go to television for this now. Uh, she was saying this is like in the mid '80s. Yes. I guess she was saying that's this. true. And that's um, true. she's like, you don't find those meaty roles, you know, left back in Betty Davis and Joan Crawford's day in feature films in the '30s and '40s. You did, but then they stopped. And she says, but the TV movie genre really brought that back. Absolutely. So, okay, so we're going to say goodbye because I have to edit this and it's already 90 minutes. <laughs> so, so, but thank you so much, Bill. This this means a lot to us and I hope everybody picks yeah, up the book. You, and if you, you do, um, let us know what you think of it because I think everybody will really love it. And I think you'll discover some Patty Duke movies you probably want to check out. So um, pick it up and we'll be back soon to discuss Kathleen Beller. Um, no place to hide. Yeah, I can't wait. And Deadly Ooh. Messages will be our next show. So good night, everybody. Oh, oh two good ones. Good night. Good night. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Good night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.